0: The only way to find out how two people will interact in a relationship is for them to interact in a relationship. They need to meet in person eventually and talk and spend time face to face and not just a little time. You cannot rush it. It takes a long time to know if someone is the one. Welcome to the Shrinks On Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. And I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. Join us. You know, most couples still meet offline like they always did at work or school through friends and such. But these days, couples are almost as likely to meet online. Oh, that's definitely true, Cindy. Dating sites have become a popular way to find a partner, and there are a lot of good reasons why even though the concept felt pretty weird to a lot of people at first. It did, but it's definitely becoming more widely accepted, even among older people. It has become much more widely accepted, but because of the ongoing stigma, some couples who meet online create a phony backstory together about how their relationship began that they tell others rather than admitting that they met online. Yes, they lie. (laughs) Actually, about three out of 10 Americans overall, and around half of young adults, say they've used a dating site or app to find a partner. The reported numbers are inconsistent, but something like between 17 and 39 percent of marriages started with online dating. It's not a negligible number. But again, because of the stigma that still exists, we may not even know how many satisfied long-term couples actually meet online. Because they lie. It's hard to know exactly, but it's obvious that the numbers of long-term relationships that start online have grown as the apps keep becoming more popular. Well, it's a pretty safe and convenient way to meet potential partners, and it helps that the reason for meeting is clear. You know, since it's called online dating, you don't have to wonder, is this a date? (laughs) At least not (laughs) most of the time. (laughs) Also the convenience of just scrolling around and communicating (laughs) with potential partners on apps from the comfort of your home or wherever you happen to be is pretty nice. And it can be easier than meeting a stranger for the first time randomly out on the town. It's also a convenient way to meet people when you're otherwise too busy. Even for people with large friend groups or social networks, looking online adds just another way to meet new people, especially potential partners. For some people, feeling more anonymous online helps them to be more assertive and connect with people they might otherwise not even approach. And this can also take practice, though. Some people just have an easier time opening up online. That's also one of the downsides, because people online are sometimes less inhibited, and they might say mean or racist things to people that they probably would never say in person, or, you know, ask for sex or send very revealing photos. That happens a lot. Aside from all of its benefits and drawbacks, it's also really a big business. Apparently, dating app revenue was $5.61 billion in 2021. Wow, that sounds pretty popular to me. It's one of those things that hooks in a lot of people by being free at the starting level. Mm, You know, all you need to start looking at profiles is a phone or a computer. Sometimes you have to pay even at the entry levels, but sites vary and you don't necessarily need money to get in. And some are always free if you don't get the enhanced access. Which you may only need if certain characteristics are important, like religion or sexual orientation. There might be more of a fee involved for helping you narrow the pool and cater only to specific groups. Right. Sometimes you pay for more targeted choices, but for those who can afford it, this can bring them more potential dates and also more potential dates who can afford it. So whatever, more possibilities for relationships. There are loads of sites for all kinds of preferences and some of these are also free. Either way, you can find sites for quick hookups, long-term serious relationships, or even just friends. There's LGBTQ sites, religious sites, single parent sites, sites for people with disabilities, people into kink or open relationships, people who are overweight, sugar daddy sites, even dog and cat lover sites, you name it. Heck, there's even a site for social activists. It's called Cause Date. Neat. Dating got a little more complicated once COVID entered the scene, but then that's what the dating apps were so great for. For quarantining and social distancing, they encouraged users to stop meeting in person and stay online. Then they hosted online activities with physical distancing like virtual speed dating and dating advice sessions. Some people still ask about pandemic precautions and take tests before and after they finally decide to see someone in person. Now that in-person meetings are back for a lot of people, many apps have badges you can add to your profile showing your vaccination status. And they've also added standard COVID questions to profiles like if you prefer the first meeting to be virtual or IRL in real life. If you'd like to meet outdoors only or inside is okay. If masking is necessary to you or optional, or if you must be socially distant versus being more chill about it. Those seem like some good ways to find a like-minded partner, at least as far as pandemic issues go, which today can tell you a lot about a person sometimes. Yeah. Different online dating sites use different ways of matching people, which of course they all believe, or at least say that their methods lead to more compatible, longer lasting relationships. But of course, there's no scientific evidence to support this really. The truth is we really have no idea what exactly makes people click. In our field, we tend to think it's about having similar underlying values. These sites are trying to look scientific. So there's usually a series of personality assessments, possibly combined with psychological theory that's supposed to predict compatibility Sometimes it sounds pretty convincing and psychologically sound. For example, those algorithms that some sites use, it makes it seem really scientific to use mathematical equations. (laughs) Not sure if that's what ends up really making it work. I have my doubts. (laughs) The truth is that these so-called predictors aren't really the most important aspect of finding a healthy relationship. What algorithms or matchups in ethnicity or religion or even music and hobbies don't predict is how two people will actually get along and relate to each other. How will they grow together? How will they deal with hard times and conflict? Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, you like this certain kind of music? You should get married. Meant for each other. <laughs> you really need personal interaction over time to find these things out. Yeah. Looking at profiles can help narrow the search, but a long-term relationship is not predictable based on a profile. People can spend a lot of time sifting through profiles and looking at pictures and basic information like income and education. This might help you find the kind of person you want, but doesn't tell you anything about their personality, their values, or your compatibility with them. Right. The only way to find out how two people will interact in a relationship is for them to interact in a relationship. They need to meet in person eventually and talk and spend time face-to-face. And not just a little time. You cannot rush it. It takes a long time to know if someone is the one. Communicating over the computer is open to too much misinterpretation and not enough important social cues. And at some point, it's important to pick a few people you'd like to actually meet and... You know, get your courage up and meet in person, even if it makes you nervous. Yeah. And whether you meet someone on or offline, the relationship itself will need to include things like trust and intimacy, and the dynamics between the two people are what really matters. So while email, texts, and phone conversations help potential partners get an initial sense of each other, and you definitely do learn a lot from that it's still important to move the conversations offline and into real life face-to-face as soon as it's feasible. If expectations are kept in check and it's just another way to meet people, it can be fun and fruitful. It can even lead to long-term committed, emotionally satisfying relationships. However, of course, there are some barriers in online dating that make it less than ideal. A major issue is the tendency to sort people based on education which can lead to separation by socioeconomic status. Also, low-income people have a harder time affording coffees and cocktails for first dates. Finding people on apps versus in the context of your everyday life puts pressure to set up dates that might involve money people don't have or aren't comfortable spending. But might feel obligated to just to go on that date, yeah. Another thing is that while 97% of all adults have cell phones, you need a smartphone to use dating apps. Only 76% of all adults with income below $30,000 have smartphones compared to 96% of those who earn more than $75,000. Those with lower incomes are basically locked out of the dating apps for financial reasons. There's also a fair amount of rejections in online dating based on ethnicity and race. Racism, of course it is. But at the same time, I've also heard stories of people who might date outside their race because it's a dating app and they can explore that without feeling as threatened. I don't know. So there's two sides to that, I think. But you know, the other thing that happens a lot is rude, lewd, sexual acting out and misuse and manipulation and gaslighting and insults. You have to proceed with caution. Most people aren't used to interacting in spaces that are truly diverse. So dating is often divided by race or other aspects like ethnicity or religion. So some people get passed over because they're a certain race, for example. Yeah, or by appearance, maybe they're overweight or they have a disability or an illness. People can feel very rejected on these sites. Yes, if racism and these other prejudices weren't so deeply a part of our socialization, these issues probably wouldn't be important in the same ways. Yeah. It's telling that when people are exposed to other kinds of people, they actually are more open in terms of who they'll date. It would be nice to see people focusing less on demographics and appearance and more on interests, passions, and character. I totally agree. And the bottom line is when two people meet, if they meet the right people, it ultimately doesn't matter. None of those things matter. What matters is that they've had the opportunity to find each other. There aren't many things in life that are better than meeting the right person, finding your person. And no one ever knows where true love, your person, might be found. Could be a dating site. Thanks for joining us. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at shrinksonthird. Till next time, take care.